0: Play is everywhere in California, so take some well-deserved playtime off and discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.
2: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit hyundaiusa.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy
3: in every journey. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu.
1: I said there's no way, (laughs) no way I could get you down, down, down. Without falling down that ramp. There's All right, now No you, way.
0: But Donald's singing, you may know uh, if you're an avid listener of Fake Doctor's Real Friends, that Donald and I are big fans of a Song of Five Moment. Um we we sang uh, he's driving in your window, he's climbing in your window, they snatching your people up. Hide uh-huh. Your kids, how your, your wife? Well, I we are a sucker for Song of Five Moments, and I sent Donald what is probably the greatest song of
1: the summer. Oh my gosh. It's 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 my new Bop.
0: Dan, you're going to have to edit this in uh, sounding better than I have it, but I have to play this for you. And I got to give a shout out to these guys. Oh, they're called the Gregory Brothers, you guys. You can find them on on Twitter, at Gregory Brothers. And they're a song. Yeah, go ahead, Donald.
1: I just want to say, I didn't know, first of all, I had no idea that Donald Trump was a poet. uh, He's a poet. He rhymes in his speeches, and I didn't even know.
0: Listen, Donald and I have been talking about back and forth, sometimes with you, sometimes privately on our phone about what are our favorite songs of summer. We've been talking about T Swift. We've been, you know, we played you uh, Toby Sebastian uh, last mm-hmm. episode. But listen, this is the song of the summer, you guys. And <laughs> Donald and I have been singing it to each other. Okay, now for those of you who don't know, uh, Donald Trump had trouble making it down a ramp. Uh, you know, I don't fault the guy. I mean, I fault him for lots of things, but you know, he's in his 70s. There was no banister. But then he had to go brag about it, okay? He had to go brag about it, and these guys songified the bragging. So here you go. Here's the song of something.
4: There's no way, there's no way
0: I can make it
4: down that
5: ramp.
0: <laughs> yeah. There's no <laughs> way. Hey! There's oh my no wait so no for the hook, Joel. I
1: don't want that.
2: There's no, no
1: way. Fire. There's no way. Fire. Get down, down that the ramp. There. Wait, down wait for this part. Oh my gosh. Here we go again. Here we go.
0: Here's by itch. But I was
4: 10 feet short. I ran down
0: the
1: left. I ran. I ran. Oh, my God. Down the, the ramp. That's the favorite part favorite. I ran. Everybody go That's down the ramp. I
0: ran. I ran. <laughs> oh, my God, I love that song, you guys. I ran. That's my favorite oh hook my right there. Yeah. I ran down the ramp. I that a, that's a <laughs> hook. Fucking, fucking DJ Khaled couldn't write that hook.
1: Another one. He would, But he would, you know, he heard that like all of us did and was like, damn, that's Listen, a pop.
0: I never heard a Songify song that I wanted a full song to. That's only a minute long. I want the whole fucking song.
2: I ran. I said, the "There's no way,
1: no way. I can wait. I can I get can make down, it down, at, down that ramp. ramp without falling on my ass. There's no way." <laughs> and then he goes, "I ran, I ran
0: <laughs>
1: down the ramp."
0: So, congrats to those Gregory brothers. That's a, that's a, that's a bop, as that the kids is a say. Bop.
1: Dude, that is a bop. How are you, man?
0: Oh, man. I'm Everyone's going to be singing that. You know what everybody's singing, other than that song?
1: What you trying to get into, Adele Shun? What you Ch- trying, trying to do? do? It is a ringtone, y'all.
0: It's a ringtone. Joelle, is it officially available for everybody? It should be. By there the time this a- airs, it should officially be available. Those of you who are clamoring, clamoring for the, the hottest ringtone of summer... The Adele Shun song. Look at your beard, you—that uh, is a
1: big beard. I, I committed to it. I did. But you look commitment. great. It looks thick and it's and, very. Yeah, I got hair on my face. Does Casey like to run her fingers through it? Me and Casey don't be. You know, listen, man, we don't like to kiss and tell. Okay. Oh. So. Well, you ooh. don't have to
0: tell me what you did sexually, but you can tell me if she ran her fingers through it. <laughs> I'm not asking you if she fucking let you spank her, but did she? Oh my god. <laughs>
1: Inappropriate. I ran Woo-hoo. down the man. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're family. Casey, Casey lets me know things. No, she doesn't. She does. She does. My wife tells you shit. We're... No, no, you know she okay. doesn't. But but you know when we're
0: together, <laughs> when we're together as, as as couples, we
1: sometimes speak openly. Right. It's crazy, man. With this whole quarantine thing going, we see each other every day, right. all day, all day. Um, I love my wife tremendously, mm-hmm. but once we put the kids down, we kind of separate a little bit and we go in our own rooms and she watches her date lines. And, mm-hmm. you know, I watch my, uh, it's just like this episode that we're going to talk about. Well, this episode is, you fall um...
0: asleep. Judy wants romance. Carla yeah. wants romance and she wants some sex. You fall asleep during the Jefferson's theme song.
1: Yeah but yeah but that's after we have sex though first of all.
0: I don't know. So is the joke that you only lasted
1: the length of the theme song to the Jeffersons? I, no he didn't even last the length of the theme song. It was like, "Well, here we're moving on." He probably got "Beans on Friday in the kitchen. The beans on burn on the grill." He probably got to that.
0: Yeah, and then he finished. And he's like Ugh. Took a whole lot of trees. <laughs> 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 because you're right. Because you now we know you finished in the first couple lyrics. Because by the time we get to sky, the camera tilts He's down out. and you're asleep. Right. So you needed time to at least clean yourself up so let's and
1: see, snuggle I'm gonna, up. Took a whole lot of trees. Yeah, Just now let's assume that you finished bell. it trying. Now we up in the big Okay, league. now you're cleaning yourself up. Kind of cuddling mm, up to it. we living, it's you and me, baby. <laughs> Ain't, Ain't nothing, nothing wrong with wrong that. With We're moving on. Moving on up, moving oh, so, okay. On I think he might have lasted yeah.
0: longer. I think he might have lasted longer because if you back time it, you had a, you only need about a few a few words to get cuddly and fall asleep. Okay.
1: So took a whole lot of time Yeah, find a, find a later spot get for up your ejaculation. standing, found we up in the big league. Get my turn it back. No, no I think no. it came at, ain't get nothing my- wrong with that. <laughs> get my turn it back. As long as we living, it's you and me, baby. It ain't nothing wrong with that. <laughs> I said we're moving on up. Yeah,
0: that's probably how it timed out yeah that's probably how it timed out well welcome to fake out. doctors real friends we have johnny c mcginley here today for a very 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 good episode i just watched it it's really good
1: yeah i watched it also uh just now i watched it and i don't think i need a uh first of all before we get away we should five six seven eight stories
0: about a show we made about a bunch of doctors
1: and nurses
0: and a Thunderous applause, Dan. Well, turn your key, sir. Donald. Turn your key. <laughs> hi, Zachy. Look, look at you. Look at you. Hey, Donald. How are you, sir? You're back in your I'm echoey fine. room. You're back in your echoey room, Johnny.
4: I know because Nicole has a migraine. She's upstairs. And when she gets them, they're blackout. And so. Oh,
0: no. That's horrible. I,
4: I, yeah. It's uh, the worst thing on the planet. But I am down here. And um, I'm really sorry that 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 we have the echo but i can't go up there
0: well listen the audience is so fucking excited whenever you come on i think they will uh they will handle an echo because all we get on our on our social media is when is johnny c mcginley coming back on you're everybody's favorite guests everybody loves your story of your leeches attacking your your what did you call it your your man your power power, source power source (laughs) source. (laughs) uh Johnny, I laugh all
1: and the time. And it latched on to the power source.
0: Yes, the, the, the leech is all over his power source. I,
4: th- I thought the last couple of guests you've had on were fascinating. I thought uh, Brendan was just so interesting. And it's always fun to listen to how geeked out you guys get, whether yeah. it was with Heather, because Zach, you were clearly uncomfortable. And yeah, I, I understand <laughs> that
0: completely. dude. I want the audience to know that I tried my best, but I was—I mean, I grew up, and she was like, she probably was a poster on my wall. I mean, she was Heather fucking Locklear, and I may be forty-five years old, but I was just as giddy.
1: Yeah, she's fine.
4: I—I <laughs> I completely appreciate that because when she was on the set, and I was very single. Um, yeah, I did. I—I—I would no sooner even. Occurred to me to approach her that way because she was something else.
0: Yeah, yeah, she's out of it. She's but like, there you were, dude. There you were having uh, sex scenes with uh, with a goddess, with a living goddess. I
4: was. That was acting. That was. I was too. That was out of my weight class, man. Totally <laughs> kind out of my, of my like, weight class. Kind
0: of like JD hitting on. First of all, there's nothing. Sarah only Lancaster.
1: I'm, I'm watching cow. this
0: fucking episode, and um, the idea of of JD getting Sarah Lancaster a who plays gift shop girl and then B not being able to uh, be get a hard on for her. I just found unrealistic television. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, but I call bullshit on this writing. First of all, it's written by uh, Angela uh, Nissel and uh, directed by Gail Mancuso.
1: Angela Nissel. Yes. I have to,
4: I have to, I have to stop before we go any further. I looked at two Oh nine.
0: You looked at the wrong episode. Yeah. Okay. Well, Johnny.
4: I think you guys should start over without me because I have no idea what 210 is. <laughs> I have copious notes on 209. <laughs> uh, Which one's 209? 209's when you, uh, you and I have the, my favorite scene we ever did together. When I tell you it wasn't a favorite, it was my job. At the end of the episode.
0: Oh, I love that. Um, Wait, how do we salvage this, Johnny? Because we're so excited to have you on.
4: Well, I know how we can salvage it because I had an overriding angle that I wanted to look at. And it's inspired by what you guys have told me and Uptown Girls and uh, some of your um, adventures in New York City when you guys were in that apartment. What happened between season one and season two since I haven't talked to you since the end of season one, mm. um, for me, yeah. was that I had a, uh, a C-plus comedy come out with Jason Lee and Tom Green called Stealing Harvard. And I spent the entire hiatus, and Jackie, you came to visit me at Columbia, uh, doing Identity with James Mengel. Right. And uh, it, And I would suggest to you that, what we do in our hiatuses informs what we do when we get back in front of the lens mm-hmm. and that you bring that either those assets or liabilities with you. And, and it informs the way you grow in front of the lens.
3: Yes,
0: I, I agree. But wait, wait, how are you saying that this informed, um, when we came back together for season two?
4: Because what I brought having spent those, I don't know, nine weeks with Jim Mangold. You know, I'm Mr. Verb and my overriding objective in season two was to contribute. Mm. And then this counterintuitive thing happened where I wanted to, I, to cox, I wanted to contribute by capitulating in front of the lens. And I'll tell you what I mean. I, I was starting to get too busy at the end of uh, season one and intoxicated with the eccentricities of of all the, the craziness and, and what happened on Identity, which was the name of the film that Jim directed uh, with, with Johnny and Ray and, and Amanda, was that everything just kept getting stripped down. Molina, all these people, he just kept stripping stuff down. And it occurred to me that I was bringing too much baggage in between action and cut. And so what it decided was that what the capitulation would be, would, would be that I was gonna get out of the way. And at no point was it more on point than when you and I were in that doctor's lounge at the end of two Oh nine, unfortunately. And you, you had been chesty that JD had been chesty the whole episode. And finally they, they, they get to come together and Cox lets them off the hook, but in letting them off the hook, there's a surrender in that too. There's a capitulation and it's just the, it's the cleanest scene I can remember mm. that that I can remember. I can't remember, you know, like Donald and I, Jack, you have
0: a better memory than us, but I can't remember all this stuff. But I agree, Johnny, because one of the things I said when we talked about that was the episode was so, uh, you know, the show is so uh, silly and can be, and, and, and can go all over the place in fantasies. But what I, I'm so proud of in this show when it worked was how we would just drop in and be straight. And, and that scene with you and I uh in, in in that room to me is is one of the best of of the series and it's so it's so simple it's probably a 45 second scene but I think you and i I was so vulnerable and you were so vulnerable and, and 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 up to this point there's been there's been almost no maybe once or twice you give in Cox gives in and and, and is willing to give him some some mentorship but this was a real. First time, I think, that Cox is this vulnerable in, in, in front of him, telling him that it's his, this is my job. My job is to make sure you don't fuck up.
4: But there's also, the, it's, a, it's a combination, and you as a filmmaker surely will appreciate this, and Donald as well, is that the, the scene starts out with this great dolly over your shoulder, and then we land on Cox. And that fucking great mu- music cue already started when Donald jumped off the couch to go put Rowdy on the fourth floor and it's it's under pressure with queen and bowie mm. and just everything and and i can't remember i think larry Trillian shot it mm. and ev- everything that could come together in a in a 24 minute um tv show came together and that doesn't always happen and when it does and it shouldn't happen it's impossible the schedule is impossible and everything's co- is working against you and when
0: it does yeah
4: it's magic
0: yeah it's so fun too when those moments happen in, in 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 both uh, you know, as an actor, you 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 just kind of go at it all the time, and sometimes magic happens and sometimes it doesn't. And then there's moments, both as an actor and a director, where you're watching something. I remember I was directing Wish I Was Here, and there was this great scene between Manny Patinkin and Kate Hudson. And and there was supposed to be this moment where they connected and 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 all of a sudden at the monitors, it just I, I was watching them and it just magic happened. And Kate had a single tear uh, uh, just trickling down her eye. And then instead of stopping talking, she just ad-libbed this extra line uh, and she swiped her tear away, kind of like nonchalantly, like she didn't want Manny Patinkin to see the moment. And it was just one of those moments where you're like, holy shit, like something special just happened that was way better than what was in my mind. I feel that way about a lot of things in Scrubs that we did. Like we're, we're I mean, oftentimes it was about comedy. We were all riffing together and, there'd be some funny thing we'd all come up with. But then, um, but this is one of those moments that you're talking about where it was like, just, just, just so much better than, than what we could even imagine was on the page.
4: But I had to go away for the summer. And maybe Donald, you'll know what I'm talking about with because I heard you talking to Heather about the film you guys did. When you, when you go away, what happens is, and Donald, you'll appreciate this in, in kind of a, a sports metaphor, if if you if you shoot ten thousand free throws, you will get better at free throws. And if you stay in front of the lens, even when you're on hiatus, if you stay in front of the lens, you'll stop acting and start behaving. And, and it's not semantics; they're two different things. And especially if you have a taskmaster who, who's creative like Jim Mangold, who's not only going to keep you in front of the lens, but he's just going to keep stripping stuff down. And what I mean by stripping stuff down is that actors always want to add an eccentricity they want to they want to add a limp or a lisp or a, or a tick or or some some kind of eccentricity and jim wanted them all out 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 he went rain was a character in the story deal with the rain and i always like when actors have to deal with cold dark and rain because everything goes away and they just start behaving if it's four o'clock in the morning if you're shooting nights the the production is at it rain, it's freezing out, and it's four in the morning. Everybody stops acting, and yeah. they just start saying their lines, and scenes start to click because people people want to get through the scene like oh, the yeah. people in the scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. And I remember one of these times happened, and I can't remember the episode. I'm almost positive you were pulling the Triggers Zach when Molly Shannon came on.
0: Yeah, that's we. Donald and I talk about that episode all the time. It's my, my favorite one because my first time directing.
4: I'm standing across the room from her, and she's lovely and all that, but she's a comedian. And I, I don't know what kind of chops she has. And then she finally tells me why she's so kooky. And we find, about her, we find out about her loss and, and what the actor, when she went in and dug out, was the stuff that dreams are made of for the lens. And, and it, I was standing there watching her and we didn't do that many takes because she crushed it. And, and she brought her, she brought her screen life into that. That wasn't
1: on the page. Mm. The, the, where she went wasn't on the page. Mm. I, you know, Johnny, I definitely agree with you about working uh, during your hiatus. It keeps you in a rhythm. I feel like, I feel like toward the end of every season, uh, when we were making the show, we would find our rhythm and we would be all of a sudden clicking. And it, was, and it was just like you said, it became, it was no longer about, uh, let me act the shit out of it. Let me say to my lines, I don't want to be here until fucking, you know, midnight tonight. Let me say my lines and let the work do its job. Let the work make it happen. And I think when you go away and you do another project and you get excited again, yeah. that same thing fuels you for when you go back to work the next year. Now you're in a rhythm. And so that energy that you had at the end of the season where you're like efficient and you're trying to make it happen like in one take and right away because you're, you know, you're, you, you don't want to be there late and you, and you want to be looked at as a, as a professional. And when you do that all summer long, when you come back in in the beginning, you don't have the rusties, you don't have the I'm nervous about what I've been doing, you know what I mean? It's like Fuck you were training. Shit. It's like you were training all summer. Yeah, no you question. walk in and you're like, right, you walk in and you're like, look, check out my six-pack. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Wait, I have
0: a question for you guys as both a uh, actor and a director. I wish as an actor I would have had more directors push me to be better.
3: Oh, I God. feel Same like here.
0: I feel like throughout my career, there've been a few But mostly it's been about stand here. The camera's going to come here. Do you want to go again? Because maybe you should be a little angrier. As opposed to like taking me in the corner and being like, here, I want to put a fucking thought in your head. And I wonder, Johnny, because you can be an intimidating fellow. I wonder, did Mangold, was he able to... To, to do that to you, did he, uh, I mean, Oliver Stone, you've worked with, I mean, you've worked with Fincher, you've worked with the legends uh, of the world. Have these guys been able to, to do that to you? Have they, have, have they done that to you?
4: And well, of course, Donald, I, I want
0: to know your answer too, but I'll, you know, we'll start with uh, Johnny. Oliver's,
4: Oliver's school of directing uh, c- comes with consequences. And so if, you, if you're doing something that's not, um, isn't necessarily w- what Oliver had in mind, he'll yell from Video Village, which is a, an area away from the set where the director and the and the, and the the people who are producing the film are watching it. He'll yell from Video Village, McKinley, walk with me. And that just means uh, you're going to go for a walk. And <laughs> then he tells you that you're subverting my vision and you're fucking me. Really? And you're like... Oh God! He did it in the Philippines. He did it, it it down in on Wall Street. He did it. He does it everywhere. You're fucking me. You were better when you. I always read actors for him, and he goes, "You were better when you were reading the actors."
0: But now you're fucking me,
4: and you're like,
0: "Oh my God! Oh my! It's God. horrifying." How do you not the, get it? How do you then not spiral, Johnny? Because I feel like there's a fine line between taking you in the corner and, and being and being. Constructive and being like you got this, man. But I want you to dig deep and do this. And being like you're fucking me. <laughs> I can't imagine. I would be so spiraling in my head. I, I don't know. I
4: guess it all started in the Philippines, and I just wasn't gonna. There was nowhere to go. <laughs> we were ten thousand miles from home, <laughs> and so I guess you got to rally. I don't fucking know. And the did opposite. You, of did you is,
0: tell
1: me this? Sorry, sorry. Go ahead, again
4: The opposite of that is Catherine bigelow on on Point Break. You know, we did that opening. Fucking Almost great movie, Johnny. Great fucking minutes. movie, Johnny. Remember when I was the, fucking movie. Those uh one of those steady cams. They used to weigh about eight, 80 pounds, and all the big Aussie guys used to be the operators. And in the beginning of that film, there's about a five or six walk, minute walk and talk where Keanu and I are doing all the expository who, what, where, when, how for the whole movie. We're just just spewing, spewing. I don't stop talking. And And we did it 36 times. I think she printed like four, 18 and and 36. And of course four was the one that was in the movie and it's just a wonder. and it's just scrubs made it look second nature because we did those. But at the time when we were doing it, it was a big deal. And, you know, all the way through the bowels of the FBI with this, with this Steadicam and Catherine would just come over and, uh, She's the single most supportive person in the history of the planet. Mm-hmm. But the bottom line was we're going again. <laughs> like, she, would
0: okay. she would never say anything, dude. Uh, she would never say anything.
4: no, she's just the greatest. She's like, you're, you're crushing this. You're crushing this. I'm like, well, and I always know when we have it. I what swear about, to God. What I about do. you,
0: Donald? Like when you worked with like Boaz or or did 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 they give you did you ever get like tough direction, but also that like made you dig deeper?
1: Um yeah, you know, uh, Boaz was, a, was very much, a, we're going to rehearse, uh, and we would, we would rehearse, and he wouldn't necessarily be there, but he would come and check it out. But he would be like, you guys go rehearse, you know, rehearse amongst yourselves and stuff. Uh, and then when we would do the scene, he'd be like, okay, yeah, that's great. Is there anything you want to add to it? Um, I'm trying to think of if there were... I've had directors, I don't want to say their names, I've had directors be like, you know... Uh, you stumbled on that line. There goes your close up. I've had shit like that Ooh, happen before. Oh, oh, you fuck know.
0: you! That's not going to help anybody. You know, uh, no, it doesn't. Uh, you and, have to find uh, a way to to to. I mean, my goal when I'm directing someone is all I want is for for you to be great. How can I support that? Uh, part of it for me is creating an environment on the set. You know, Scrubs is the ultimate example. We had an environment that was so safe to experiment and to yeah. and to and to fuck up and. It was, you felt so safe. You felt the net under, under the, under the tightrope, if you will. Um, so I, when I'm making my projects, I try and create that environment again where, where you're safe. Like there's no wrong answer. Let's play. Cause I think that puts actors in, in a good headspace. Um, but I'm also making things so fast, you know, I'm every, the three films I've made, I have to go so fast yeah. There isn't a whole lot of time to do like what Oliver Stone can do in the Philippines and be like, Johnny, let's walk. <laughs> if walk my producers, me. if I ever walk said to someone me. like, Natalie, let's walk, everyone would look at me like, What the fuck are you doing? We have a half hour left for the day. <laughs> that truly walk. is a luxury, walk man. It That's is a luxury. luxury.
1: I hear stories about actors and directors going on like 45-minute walks while the crew waits. Yeah. Sometimes two-hour walks while the crew waits. Yeah. And then they come back and the scene's different. Now we're going to relight it a different way. I've heard crazy-ass stories about how, you know, how uh, ego gets in the way of making movies <laughs> and stuff like that. I heard
0: stories from um, that movie. Uh, what's the – well, I should probably shouldn't call it what the movie is. But I heard stories of a movie star showing up. My friend was shooting the movie. And he said, you wouldn't believe what was going on. Like the the movie star would show up and be like, all right, well, we're obviously not saying any of this. So should we go talk about it? And it's like, what? (laughs) Like, so they would then go on like long, uh, like a a minivan ride and like rewrite the day's work. And that's how the day would start. I mean, that gives me anxiety even saying it. Have have you
1: guys ever like this? It's happened once in my life. Zach, I know when it's happened with you. Johnny, have you ever been so late in any way that you've uh caused a day? Well not a day, but you caused uh, a morning, I should say. We had a the director driving? like, not a, like not, not I've been a, not I've been so I've been chance not a fucking chance. We're not we're
0: not Johnny's not late ever. Johnny's early. Johnny gets okay. there at five in the morning and then goes back to sleep.
1: That that would <laughs> never happen, right? Never happen. That happened. That happened to do? me that happened to me once. Zach, I remember when it happened to you, but it happened Well, to mine you. was an alarm right. clock malfunction, but go ahead. Bullshit. But anyway. Well, um, no. <laughs> I told this story on the podcast. Did I ever tell you the Henry Winkler story? No, please no. go on. Okay. So I was doing Clueless, the television show at the time, right? And Henry Winkler's directing the next day. It's Sunday night. He's directing on Monday. Um, And I'm geeked about it, but I also... I'm 20 something years old and I live with a bunch of dudes, right? It's me, my buddies. It's me and literally three other dudes living in the house together. And on Sunday nights, I don't know where it was. I think freaking like uh uh Joseph's or 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 some shit like that the was clerk. going off. You were at the, the club was going off, right? Yeah. And so we went out and I didn't get home until like four in the morning, smashed and hammered, and uh Pass out my call times at 6 a.m. I'm doing clueless at the time. I wake up and it's 6 30 and I'm like, oh shit. Henry Winkler's directing. So I throw on clothes and I, you know, jet to work. I get there, I put on my costume is all in my, my trailer and everything. I throw on all my shit. And as I'm throwing it on, I can smell my breath and I still smell the booze on my breath. And I'm like, oh my God. Oh my God. This is gonna be horrible. This is gonna be horrible. So I run out of my trailer and I'm starting. I'm jetting to set, and as I come around the corner, we were filming on the Paramount lot, and so you have to pass through the big Paramount gates, right? So I come running through the gate uh, toward the set, and Henry Winkler sees me, stands up, and it looked like he said to whoever the producer was or the writer was, he was like, "That's him, yeah, that's him." Okay, and he starts oh walking towards me, oh shit. and I'm like, "Oh god, oh shit, holy shit!" You fucking oh god. let down the fons, bro. That was the first thing I'm thinking. Now don't fuck forget forget the cast and the crew and everything like that. Fucking Henry Winkler, the legend that he is, is about to fucking give me the business and I'm gonna and I'm gonna fucking eat it. Right? And so he comes up to me and I take a deep breath to not breathe out, so he can't smell this booze on me. Ah! Right? And he goes, listen, we're not gonna do this. Okay. I don't wanna I don't want any shit from you. Okay, we're not gonna we're not gonna fucking do this. What we're gonna do is we're gonna go over there. We're gonna do the scene. Okay, we're gonna go over there. We're gonna do the scene. And I could tell he wanted to freaking give me the business, but he was like, I don't know you. I don't want to disrespect you. And I I could I I'm pretty sure you don't want to try and disrespect me or anything like that. But come over here and give me your best, right? And it was just it was just like when we did the dance scene on Scrubs, where I where I'm doing the um dance to poison and I hadn't rehearsed it or anything like that. And I just went in there and I did the dance because part of it was because I was afraid for my life that bill was going to be like, you know, uh, that's it. You're fired. So it was almost the same thing. Like I'm dancing on a table in the scene and I jump off the table into a split, right? (laughs) In rehearsal, I do this shit because I'm so, look, I, I, the last thing I wanted was to let down, you know, the fonts. And then when I get over there and I see Stacey Dash and Elisa Donovan and my boy Sean Holland and the crew and all of these guys looking at me, uh and and uh, you know, giving me the face like, I can't believe you fucking let down the fonts. And it was like, All right, well I'm gonna give you guys a show. And I did and you know, my, my, did he my ever, point is
0: Did he ever take you aside and have a
1: talk with you? That was a talk. It was a quick, it was one of those things where it was like I, I'm gonna come off like the boss right now, and the humbling thing is, is that I'm over here and I'm talking to you about this, but you know better than this. I shouldn't have to have this conversation with you ever. Mm. Uh, he he didn't have to say to me, "Get your shit together," but it was all in the. I'm not having this conversation with you. You're way smarter than this. You know better than this bullshit. Let's get over here. Let's do the scene and let's make it right. Yeah. And I freaked. And then
0: him. he fucking Wait. hit a jukebox. <laughs> <I> didn't pray. <break. laughs> Let's take a break. We'll be right back after these fine words. F-R-I-E-N-D-S. It's about a $30 value and they sell fast, so there are always new styles and looks. Again, for a limited time, just enter code REALFRIENDS at checkout to add a free logo hat to your order as a one-time gift from Tecovas, only at Tacovas.com.
2: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
4: I lied. I was late one time, yeah. uh, but it had, it wasn't my fault. Uh, I was doing, I had the actors, I had the New York, Actor's dream of uh, I was I, I originated to play talk radio with Eric Bogosian, uh, yeah. who I yeah. brought on to Scrubs as my shrink. Right. Thunderous applause.
1: Dan. Thunderous applause. Thunderous
0: applause. I'll uh, turn my key for that, Dan.
4: And so we're down at the public, which is right on Lafayette Street there, and I I was in it for almost two years because it was a good gig, and so during that run, Oliver wrote Wall Street and. Said, do you want to come down and uh, and do Wall Street for uh, two and a half three weeks? And I said, well, yeah, of course. But I'm doing I'm doing this play. And he said, I'll have you wrapped in time, and you can get up to the public, and everything will be fine. And so I had the language <laughs> in my contract, but I had to be wrapped at seven thirty. We were down towards the Woolworth Building um, in southern the southern Manhattan, and I had to be wrapped at seven thirty, and I just a straight shot up Lafayette, I'd go in and make half hour. Half hours, you have to be at a uh, Actors Equity, which is the Actors Stage Union, dictates that you have to be at the theater a half hour before the curtain. And I like to be there. I like to do a vocal warm up and stretch and all the. I like all that stuff. And yeah. so, um, while we were down towards the Woolworth Building, the days were going longer and longer. And you know, Charlie and I, we had already spent four months in the Philippines, and now we're with Oliver doing this uh, big thing for, I guess, Universal. And so the days are going longer and longer. And I have this superstition, just like uh, Lou Gehrig and Wally Pipp, because I, a couple of years earlier, I'd been covering John Totoro and Danny DeLucey. I was his understudy and the assistant stage manager. And not John was a horse. He just never, he thought it was bad luck to let your understudy go on. And so I got that from John. And so I didn't want anybody going for me. And so no matter, and the the clock kept ticking and I started getting there at 20 of and quarter of and the stage managers come up to me. He goes, you can't do this. I'm like, listen, just look, I'm going on. So, and then (laughs) later and later. And so one time I got there at places and I, I sprinted up to, I forgot which theater we were in at the public, but it was the new house or something. And I sprinted into the dressing room. I put on my wardrobe and the stage manager's like, no. And I'm like, call the cops because I'm going to kick the shit out of you unless you get out of the way. (laughs) And so I go on and Eric let me kind of write a piece with him where this character gets to, he's in three quarters the whole play. So he's three quarter exposed to the audience in this proscenium stage. And at about... 20 minutes into the piece, he turns around in his chair, a pin spot hits him, and then he walks down the closest you can be to the audience. The light cue up on the board is called Down in One. I walk down in one, a pin spot's on me, and I do this seven-minute monologue about my relationship with Eric's character, Barry Champlain. Oh, my God, I get a chill. Um, And about two minutes into it, I went up. Oof. I went up. Because For those of you who
0: don't like, give everyone the lingo, that means you forgot his lines. That's the actors say, because I Al- went up. Yeah.
4: Oliver was just yelling at us all day, and Charlie and I had been out till, I, God knows how late we were out the night before. But I, I, st- I stood there with a pin spot on me, looking at, it was a pretty tiny house, maybe 350, maybe 325, I don't know how big it was, but it was packed, because Eric was the, all the rage, and the play was a massive hit, and you couldn't get in. And I'm there. And I co-wrote this motherfucking monologue, and I can't remember anything, anything. And I'm looking out at them, and I was crying inside. I don't think I cried out here, but I looked up at the light booth. Even though you can't see anything, you can't see in front of you because the light's so bright. I looked up towards the light booth, and I just nodded. And I went back to my chair, and they called the next light cue, and Eric started again. And then after the show, Eric's the biggest mensch on the planet. He just came up and he goes, you can't, don't don't, don't do that anymore. Don't do that. I'm like, okay. And the next night I, I, I did not go on and guess what? Everything was fine. Yeah. It turns out that the the, the understudy was, he was fine. He went on and he was fine.
0: So wait, Johnny, uh, your monologue is roughly seven minutes. How deep did you get into it before you forgot your lines? Two minutes. (laughs) yeah, man. That is the I, I have this nightmare. If you're an actor, they actually call it the oh. actor's nightmare. You, yeah. I have this dream where I'm go, supposed to go on and I don't know my lines at all, or I'm supposed to go on as an understudy for someone and I don't know my lines at all. I, I have that dream all the time. It's my I nightmare. do too.
4: and and now I so over prepare ever since then. I so over prepare that even if you shot me in the esophagus, I'd still be able to continue and do the lines. I don't give two shits i don't care i don't i have that that nightmare zaki too and it's just never again and it's never happened again ever
0: you know my first uh, play was at the same theater johnny uh, first of all i want to say quickly before i change this to to that um talk radio is an amazing film mm-hmm. that you should all see um with johnny and eric bogosian and alec baldwin's in it right
4: Yeah, and I didn't get star fucked out of the, you know, usually if you create it, if you, it's called creating the play, if you originated the play, you're definitely not in the film, definitely. Mm -hmm. And I I got to do that, that was, and I did three in a row, because that was the film he did after Wall Street.
0: Oh, that's interesting that you were, wait, sorry, that's interesting. You were doing Wall Street with Oliver, and then you're in simultaneously in the play, and then Oliver decides to direct the movie. So he must have seen the play because you're friends with him and he came to see you in it. Is that how it was the genesis of it?
4: No, I, I, I think it was, so, it was such a subvert, politically subversive piece about Alan Freed, a talk show host, I think, in Denver. And Eric had loosely based it on that, that Oliver, that was right, right in his sweet spot. Uh-huh. And we went down to Los Colinas right outside of uh, Dallas, And we shot the whole thing in five, six-day weeks. And so we're in Dallas, and we didn't come up for air for five weeks. It was the best.
0: Wow. That's a great film. I I highly recommend it to everybody. But I wanted to say my very first part out of Northwestern was in uh, a production of Macbeth at the Public Theater in one of the tiny uh, spaces. And the cast was Alec Baldwin, Angela Bassett, uh, Michael C. Hall. Just a, a good a, group uh, of actors. Yeah, really. Uh, who are their other? Uh, Jason Butler Harner, uh, really, really amazing actors. And uh, my, I, I was playing the two young roles, um, uh, Fleance and Young Seward, and I had to have a broadsword duel with Alec Baldwin. Now, I had never done stage combat. I, I went to school, I studied acting and filmmaking, but we never got around to like. I never got around to taking a stage combat course. And George C. Wolf, the director, very fancy director, decides that that my character is going to fight Alec Baldwin, not only with one broadsword, but he thinks it'd be cool if I was an extra badass. And now I'm going to fight Alec Baldwin with two broadswords. Hell yeah. (laughs) Yeah, boy. Now I've never done, Alec is a scary motherfucker, and I've never done a single bit of stage combat. And now I'm going to do a dual broadsword stage fight with him. We get there day one, and uh, for the reading, and i never—I I was fresh out of school. I think I'd never met a celebrity in my life before. And Alec Baldwin sits down next to me, and he goes, "Who are you? Who are you? I'm Alec. Who are you playing?" I go, "Oh, I'm I'm playing uh, a and I'm playing Young Seward." And he goes, "Oh, so I kill you twice." <laughs> and uh, he did. He killed me twice. Eight shows a week, and uh, I got it down. It was like a, but it was scary as as. Fuck! And uh, I, 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 I fought Alec on stage.
4: Was BH Was BH Barry your your uh, combat coach?
0: I don't I don't recall who it was, but the guy, he taught me well. And I was just I never rehearsed something so much because I mean I could have really yeah. I could have really hurt. I mean they are they 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 will fuck you up. They're not sharp obviously, but they will fuck you up. And I was so afraid that I was gonna hurt Alec Baldwin with my tool my two broadswords.
1: Hell yeah. You know what I find really funny? How quickly you forget the the dialogue from shows that you rehearsed over and over and over and over and oh. over and over and over and yeah. over and over again, dude. It's like within a month to two months, you couldn't go up and do that show again. You know what I mean? You yeah. No chance. You, you know? But you rehearsed it like it was your life, dude. For, like it was your freaking, life. Like, yeah. Did you,
0: Donald, did you ever uh, almost forget your lines when you were doing that play you did recently?
1: yeah you know I had one thing where it was like a bunch of math and stuff like that, and the math didn't have to make sense, but it had to be quick uh, and uh one night i did i I didn't forget the line, I misspoke, and I said, "Oh, excuse me," in it and then I kept going, and then after I went, it kind of threw the rhythm off for the show for the whole night because I said one line, you know what i mean mm-hmm. and it, and and it 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 really is a lesson that when you're doing a show. There's a rhythm to it all. You know what I mean? And if you stick to the rhythm every time, most likely you're going to get a great performance. If you find the right formula and you stick to the rhythm every time and you stick to the formula every time, it's going to be a good show. You know what Mm. I mean? Yeah, yeah. And just by me saying, excuse me, it kind of fucked up the rhythm and cues all of a sudden were a little bit late. And you know what I mean? And it was my fault. You know what I mean? And it was just because I said, excuse me. I,
4: I could always tell with, with uh, when we were doing uh, Scrubs, and especially after about 12 episodes in, from 12 episodes on, I could always tell whether or not Billy had, Billy Lawrence had done a pass on Cox because he, he had written and I had a, a adopted this kind of <laughs> Martin Scorsese on heroin syncopation for Cox. And I also sometimes, when I was bored, I would start to play with the language a little bit, which was irresponsible, but i I get bored sometimes. And uh, if Billy hadn't done a pass, I couldn't memorize the lines because they were written out of rhythm. And Donald, I'm just borrowing from what you said, mm-hmm. but Billy would do a pass on Cox. I'd be down in my rehearsal space, killing myself, trying to remember these disconnected fucking rants that somebody wrote, and then I, and I couldn't get them. And then Billy would do a pass, and something, as, as much as, Donald, you even saying, excuse me, th- that was out. And then, boom, the flow and the rhythm. And I could come in and I can could, I could do it in Latin. But uh-huh. I, until Billy did a pass, because I'd get in there and I'd have the hissy fit. And I'd say, has Billy done a fucking pass on this thing yet? And they're like, no, he hadn't seen it. And I'm like, well, don't, don't fucking send it to
0: me. <laughs> <laughs> would that happen? You'd get sent it and memorize it and then it would all be changed? You must have fucking gotten living. Every
4: Monday morning. <laughs> so I mean, did you talk I mean, to Bill? I mean,
0: you must have talked to Bill eventually and said, dude, you got to fuck. You can't do that to me.
4: Of course I did. But Billy was spinning as many plates as he, you know, one character among an ensemble of badass seven or eight of you. And, you know, you you try to get Billy's attention and you can't, can't always do it.
0: I would go so not. I mean, for those of you who don't memorize for a living, it's easier for some than others. But these chunks that Johnny had to memorize in a short span of time is, is really hard because he has to say them so fast as he did so well. But the idea of spending a weekend memorizing that and then getting to work and there's a rewrite.
1: <laughs> that's shit, yeah. Dude, yeah, that's why you must a in have loved my stomach. it. Even saying that, I get a knot in my stomach. That's why you must have loved it when he, had no, when he had no choice but to go with what was written because we didn't have scripts. And so he'd be like, yo, look, here's, here's what we're going to say right now and he would write it while we were doing rehearsals and shit. And then he would hand it to you and you'd be like, bet, no problem. Uh,
4: because he wrote it. It was in Cox's rhythm. Right. It was yeah. in that, whatever that syncopation Billy came up with, it was in that. And I could groove into it. But in memorization
0: Memorization's like a muscle, Johnny, I think. and No you really, question. And you really had yours developed well. I think, you know, yeah. when I've, when I've just finished a play, like I did Romeo and Romeo and Juliet when I was fresh out of school and another one of my early roles and, I mean, basically, the second you start talking, you don't stop talking for two and a half hours. And I the, even th- thinking about it now, I get anxious uh, this many years later. This was probably two, you know, 1998. But um, but but by the time the play was over, that muscle was so developed, I could just absolutely rush it. And I feel like as Cox, you had to do it so on the regular that you really just ha- you must have had it so dialed. Like now now that might be harder for you because you're not memorizing monologues every week. 100 percent a hundred percent I was I... doing uh, when I was doing um uh, bullets over Broadway, um, we were in previews, and um w- when you're in previews that for those of you who aren't don't know that that means that the, the critics haven't come yet. you're still working out the play, you're still you know, the, the the writer and the director they're changing things all the time, and then after opening night, then then the show is locked. So we're in previews and, and Woody Allen, who wrote the play, is in the back of the, the audience and, and he's there and he's when a joke doesn't work, he would he would give it come the next day and give us a new joke to try that night. But sometimes that was really hard because you had the whole play memorized and he would just hand you a oh, slip of paper God. and he'd be like, Here, just just try this tonight. And you're like, try it, where? Where and you're like reading the paper and like scribble the handwriting, like, try this, where where does it go? Like and then he and, and you'd figure it out. And then sometimes in the heat of the adrenaline of doing a show in front of Fifteen hundred people, you'd forget. And I, there was one time I skipped the new joke he wanted me to do. And uh, I saw him the next day, and I said, "Woody, I'm I'm really sorry. I I got a little frazzled, and I I didn't even try the new joke you wanted me to try." He goes, "Yeah, you probably get a bigger laugh if you actually say it on (laughs) stage." It's about a $30 value, and they sell fast, so there are always new styles and looks. Again, for a limited time, just enter code REALFRIENDS at checkout to add a free logo hat to your order as a one-time gift from Tacovas,
2: only at Tacovas.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy
3: in every journey. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the south side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn.
0: Johnny, will you tell that story um, that I love that you told me once about Platoon where you said um, you were all hanging by the pool when you realized that you weren't going to be in the movie?
4: So because the conditions in the Philippines were so tense and so fluid uh, and we were in something called a triple, and they were fluid because there had just been a revolution. A guy named Ferdinand Marcos had lost an election to a woman named Cory Aquino and Marcos wouldn't leave until President Reagan the president at the time, gave him political asylum in Hawaii. So we. Should, that's why we were postponed. I left, I was doing um, Hamlet with Kevin Klein at The Public and about a week into rehearsal, Oliver calls after the, I'd been cast in the film a year and a half earlier and then the money went away. And he called me, he goes, McKinley, do you want to play the fourth lead? I'm like, who the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> it's Oliver Stone. You want to go to the Philippines? And I'm like, I would love to go to the Philippines, but I'm doing, I'm playing third guy on the left in, in Hamlet with Kevin Klein over at the public. And he goes, tell tell Joe Papp that 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 it's me. I'm like, oh, sure. I'm going to go talk to Mr. Papp and call him Joe. You know, it's like the Wizard of Fucking oh. Oz. And yeah. so... Rosemary Tischler, who was the casting person over at the public at the time, and a friend of mine from NYU, she came in and taught an audition class to us, and she's one of the great, great women ever. And I, I called Rosemary, I went to see her, and I said, uh, I, I got offered this movie, it's in the Philippines, and it would me mean would mean me leaving rehearsal, but and just like anybody in New York, it'd be like crossing Johnny Friendly and on the waterfront. I, if she said, "If you go do this film, you'll never work here again," I would not have gone and done the film. Neither would a, a, any anybody in New York, because once you get in that fraternity slash sorority yeah, it's very over clicky. the Shakespeare Festival, that you stay, you keep doing plays. And yeah. Rosemary said, "Well, uh, you're fine with me, but you're gonna have to go see Joe." And I'm like, "Everybody stop calling him Joe," <laughs> and so. I go in and he was, you know, he had a burner and he was this guy. He, always, he was way in the back of his fucking smoke. And so, you know, I'm, I'm knocking like I'm going to see the wizard and the wizard of Oz. And he goes, come in, Matt, come in. And so I go to see Mr. Pat and I told him my story. And he goes, go, we'll do Hamlet again when you get back. I'm just like, I'm fucking crying even
0: thinking right. about this story. I'm so happy they didn't prevent you from going. That would have been horrible.
4: And so I go back I was living in the funeral parlor at the time one the, the Neutra only funeral parlor and so I go up five stories and I'm there and a, a week or so after I, I remove myself from Hamlet there's a fucking revolution in the Philippines because this guy Marcos won't leave. And so we get postponed for months and months and months. And the play opens and, you know, Vincent Canby calls it the most important Hamlet on these shores. Oh. <laughs> I'm sitting in the funeral parlor going like, oh my oh God, God. God, I hate my life. I hate my life. And finally, we we get the green light to go because the revolution had, had subsided a, a little bit, but but not that much. And so uh, and in the meantime, this language had come out. A bunch of actors in New York, about five or six of them, circulated this language because we were going to go through this two and a half, three-week boot camp that if you got hurt in boot camp, um, you, you'd, you'd get to do the film. And Oliver's like, no, if you get hurt in boot camp, you, you get rotated out. You can't be a, a soldier no, with a broken arm. No. And so I didn't sign it. And the five people who did uh, didn't go to the Philippines. And so... I finally get there and only come to find out that it's a very tricky place. We're shooting in this triple canopy jungle, which meant there was vegetation at 10 feet, another vegetation at 20 feet, and these monstrous trees at 50 feet. So it was very dark and and swampy underneath these these three canopies of of flora. And we're shooting, and there was no shot list uh, because Oliver had to change things every day and on the fly, which he did brilliantly. But the whole, there was three squads of eight. So there was 24 of us. And every day, everybody was called to the set. And sometimes you just sat there all day because you, you're not in the scene, you, you're not in the scene. And so it was about a two-hour bus ride out to the place. And then you'd sit and you weren't in the scene. Then it's two hours back. And so this happened for a couple of weeks. And so Forrest Whitaker and uh, Johnny Depp and I uh, asked Oliver that if we weren't in going to be shooting that day could we stay at the hotel and he acquiesced and so we're finally sitting by the pool and we got what we wanted and Forrest I don't do a good Forrest imitation but Forrest comes over to Johnny and he goes you you ever get the feeling that while we're here we're not in the movie (laughs) we all started going back to the set every day (laughs) and Oliver would put us Oliver would put us on this mountain about a mile out of the frame and we and you weren't even a speck. and he, you'd be back there and we started calling it power background and so guys were doing their best brando a mile up a mountain <laughs> and we called it power background I just and love it all-
0: I just I just love that you guys were like all right fuck this we're not going to sit in the jungle we're going to go sit by the pool and right. then, and then it's like you, you Forrest Whitaker and Johnny Depp sitting there on your lounge, on your lounge chairs with a, with a, with a cocktail. And then all of a sudden someone has the realization, you know, he's probably just improv, imp, improvising this movie and we're sitting here at the
1: pool. He was! Yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: And Forrest, For, Forrest said, I wish I could do a Forrest imitation,
0: but he was like, if we're here,
4: we ain't in the movie," <laughs> And so he was up, right as rain.
0: Yeah. And what a fucking amazing movie, dude. Great I think movie. it's one of the greatest movies ever made. Yeah. Oh man.
4: But bad. I want to circle back to something that Donald said earlier that when you said, when you said you can just trust the work and if, when you stay in rhythm, when, when you can let the work happen for, for me, that was a big aha. When I was with uh, Jim Mangold for the, for that hiatus, it was that I was watching all these, I was watching Ray Liotta and Johnny and all the, and Johnny Hawks and all these great actors and, and I could see when Jim was directing them, sometimes you can see a director work better when you're watching him direct somebody else, and I was impacted by just how clean and without affectations, Jim wanted the style of this piece, and I was like, that's what I'm doing. I'm going there, but in order to do that, you have to acquiesce you have to you have to like you were saying, you have to trust it a little bit, mm. and that's hard but if you're in rhythm and And you can and I the verb to capitulate kept coming up for me, and in my in my dopey uh, composition books, and and to capitulate is hard sometimes because somebody calls action and 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 the trap is to want to drive the scene and 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 move the narrative forward and like that scene with Zaki where 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 at the at the end of two oh nine when when Cox and him had that scene it just sits. And yeah. the lens absolutely soaks it up because yeah. no one's trying to drive anything.
0: You know, there's so much power in being able to just put a camera. It's interesting. We're talking about the going back and forth between theater and film because when you're in a play, you have to give a performance to the person in the front row and you have to give a performance to the person in the back row. Right. And, and there's, a really, there's, a, there's a dance in being able to do that. Um, when you're in a film and the camera can be as tight on our faces as it is in that scene, an actor has to let go to, in order to do nothing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. there's so much power in just trusting the words and trusting the 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 camera to capture you doing, I, I, I would say if I was directing that scene, Johnny, that we both love, I would say we both did almost nothing. We were just honest. But that's hard. That's very hard. It's
4: counterintuitive, but that's hard.
0: Yeah, 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 I agree because we all want to go, we all want to go do something and have a moment. And sometimes there's so much more power in, uh, in, in doing nothing.
4: But the style of the piece was to go do something. And it was for Donald to, to just all of a sudden riff off a dance that was fresh and beautiful. And it was for you to look off the thing and have a fantasy. And then in the fantasy, you're, you're, you're juggling you know stuff you're juggling your father and 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 the 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 impetus of the piece was to drive it everyone was always Judy was just driving stuff sarah was driving stuff Mm. and then all of a sudden to go that's hard yeah that's agile you got to be yeah you got to be in rhythm sorry i keep stealing that from you donald but you do it but it's true man
1: it's true because that's the safe place you know what i mean The rhythm of it all is the safe place. Comedy is funny when the rhythm's right. It's not necessarily funny if if your timing is off, right? So the safe place to find everything in comedy is within the pace of the show, right? So that that was one thing that would, would always... I always noticed that the show always got better towards the end of the season. Like, we would come in hot, and be so excited and there would be so much stuff that we're doing in the beginning. Because the writers, writers were excited to... too. Right.
4: And the, the writers writer to show all to these new
1: tricks and all of these, yeah, I'm going to show you what I got. But by the end of the season, that's when all of a sudden we're doing really good episodes. Your we should thing... probably go to break. Well, we
0: didn't do any breaks because this conversation was so darn interesting. Dan will have to put in fake breaks. I had a realization. We're going to call this episode, if it's right with you, Donald, a conversation with Johnny C. McGinley. I like that. And then we'll redo uh in the next episode, we'll we'll go do this episode because this was so interesting. I, I don't think we need to try and do anything else.
1: I like that. I like
0: that a lot.
4: I'm sorry, I read I, I watched the, the wrong wrong. No, one, it's a
0: miscommunication, but... but gee dude, I I have a feeling everything we just talked about, you listening to you tell old stories is more interesting than anything Donald and I were gonna say about about this episode, other than the fact that it's completely unrealistic that JD would not be able to Get stimulated
1: for Gift Shop Girl. That is impossibly false. It's not a believable that is, thing that for that television. Is impossibly false. I when, when that when that shit happened, I was like, "This is a television Listen, show." Listen, I don't want <laughs> to minimize. I don't want to
0: minimize. I don't want to minimize erectile dysfunction or losing one's libido from stress. I I know that's a fact and it exists. But one thing that is not a fact is that JD would not be able to get an erection for
1: Gift Shop Girl. Sarah Lancaster. <laughs> Who played gift shop girl did yes. a fabulous job, by the she, way. Well, so. Not
0: only, not only is Sarah Lancaster, uh, very funny, but, um, she's darn pretty. And, uh, I just, I had a lot of trouble with the scenes where JD is unable to kiss her.
4: Look, I gotta tell you, <laughs> I, I gotta tell you. And I think Jerry Lewis always did this for himself as well. When he was directing all his movies, uh, uh, JD and his, he, the women that he hangs out with.
0: Yeah. Unrealistic. They're beautiful. Only only on TV, Johnny. Johnny.
1: I mean look I, who's I, talking. I, Johnny, look who's talking. I know the you were just, in, you two were just seasons, making out with Heather
0: Lock there and Christopher The Lawrence. First two seasons <laughs> of
1: the show. All you're doing is making out with hot chicks. <laughs> I know. Man?
0: Your two your two love interests are so far oh actually and, and what's her name? That girl, that woman who is wonderful. Kylie Kelly Kylie Williams,
4: who was absolutely beautiful
0: no was that the one who was um on the practice what was her name? yes i, I sort of that was sort of her name joelle will you double check we've yeah. spoken about her she was really good and really pretty she was great yeah we always say jd did way better than uh that is realistic i mean we have amy smart coming up uh soon as a love interest. oh my god her. that's right
4: she was so ridiculous. she i'm sure she is so tasty, beautiful.
0: tasty coma wife Tasty coma. Tasty
1: coma wine. Uh, <laughs> we talked about we talked about gift shop girl for like the rest of yeah the She's rest. She's a knockout. Of, She's yeah. a knockout. I bet. You, oh, by gosh, the way, by
0: beautiful. the way, by the way, we're gonna go. We're gonna do this episode in a separate podcast. But we have to say one of my favorite lines is she goes, "Is that a roll of quarters in your pocket, or are you just having a good time?" And he goes, "And I pull out a roll of quarters." I go, "No, it's it's a roll of quarters. It's actually laundry day."
1: <laughs> okay, I just said, all right, there was one line, there was one line that made me laugh, and I'm just gonna throw this out there and then we can move on because we have our guest here. Yeah. But Todd goes, when you're walking down the hall and Todd goes, hey, how's your penis? It made me go all the way back to that one episode where Turk, uh, where, where you think Turk is having a problem getting it up. Mm. And Todd goes, oh, so when I saw you this morning, and I said, how's your penis? Right. And you didn't want to talk about it.
0: <laughs> I want to tell you a little trivia. When when that In that moment, when when, when, when Todd says to me, how's your penis? On the day, he Bangkoked me. Do you oh, remember I that?
4: remember him doing that to you.
0: Yeah. For those of you who don't oh, know, you guys did is, it to each other every once in a
1: while. It's yeah, disgusting. there was things. There, so there were two we of them. Wait, a... we have
0: to tell the okay. audience who might not know what Bangkok is. Uh, it's a juvenile game that men will sometimes oh. play with each other, where they hit each other's balls and then run away. Thus, it, Bangkok. It starts.
1: It starts off like this. What's the capital of Thailand? That's right, Bangkok.
0: It's, yes, and then your penis gets hit, and you crumble over, and the person runs away. So I. Think or here's it, another
1: one. Here's another one. This was back when Mitch Kupchak was the GM of the Lakers. Who's the GM of the Lakers? Mitch right. cup check, and you punch him in the dick. No, cup okay. check, well, I right. wouldn't
0: have been able to answer that anyway. But uh, if you look at, if you look on YouTube, I think it's the sea, It would be the season two gag reel or blooper reel. I think they put that on there because it was on camera. He hit my hit my balls and ran away, and then I. I, I remember after. seeing that on the blooper reel. It was so painful. He really got me good. He Bangkok's me well. All right, we have a so, caller. Wait, why don't we why don't we go to break just to give Dan one real break? Okay, and we'll be right back with Johnny C McGinley.
1: Tekovas delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit Tekovas.com. That's T E C O V A S.com. And point your toes west.
0: As a special opportunity for our listeners, Tecovas has said they will throw in one of their best-selling trucker hats or ball caps for free into any minimum purchase of $100 on tecovas.com. Just use code REALFRIENDS at checkout. That's R-E-A-L-F-R-I-E-N-D-S. It's about a $30 value, and they sell fast, so there are always new styles and looks. Again, for a limited time, just enter code REALFRIENDS at checkout to add a free logo hat to your order as a one-time gift from Tecovas.
3: visit paramountplus.com slash the shot to get a 50% discount off the paramount plus with showtime annual plan offer ends july 14th subscription auto renews restrictions apply
5: like many of us you might think identity theft will never happen to you but consider this there's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the u.s that's over 15 million people by the end of this year
0: Show and All right, we're back. We have a guest
1: Michael, Michael Kratzley.
0: Hey guys. Hi Michael. Thanks.
1: welcome to welcome to the show. Ladies and Thanks. gentlemen, thunderous applause for Michael Cratchley. Yeah, you know, you're getting a
0: lot of thunderous applause out lately. I, I, I really. I'm you're not going to turn the key. I'm not going to turn my key for that one, Dan. <laughs> turn your key, sir. No, no, turn, turn, your, turn key, your key, sir. sir. <laughs> turn your key, sir. Turn
1: your key, sir. All right, I, I don't.
0: I, Michael, better be good. I'm going to turn my key. All right, thunderous, turn, applause. There thunderous applause. All right, Michael, you. welcome. You have you have a special uh, uh, Johnny C. McGinley episode, so ask. You have a question for? Any of the three of us?
6: Well, I, I definitely have a question I can kind of be for all of you guys. Sure. Yeah, sure. So um, I'm a huge Scrubs fan. I, it's one of the reasons I'm actually a doctor. I went into medicine because of Scrubs. Oh, my
0: God.
4: Nice. So, wow. Yes.
6: Right on.
0: Thank you. Thank Every you. What kind of medicine life? do you
6: practice, Michael? I'm a family medicine practitioner. I actually just finished residency like a month ago, and then I just took my board exam like a week ago. On so a full fledged doctor, at this, congratulations!
1: Congratulations, man!
6: That's incredible, yes. right and I just on, want man. to say, on behalf Thundrous of thunderous
1: applause, of- Dan. Thunderous I'm going to turn WP. my key. I'm, I'm going to turn my
0: key. But you're really abusing this, Donald. It's supposed to be used sparingly. That
1: that is deservant. Okay. okay. Is that right. even the right word? Deservant Des-
0: is not a word. But uh, you know what? It is. For-
1: Joel nodded and said it was. Deservant? It
0: De- deserve with an A-N-T is not yeah. a word. Ask, ask, ask the, ask the newly servant. fucking ask the newly licensed doctor. <laughs> he doesn't know. He's a
1: doctor. He's not a fucking word. Oh, well, really? They didn't, they didn't
0: cover deservant on the fucking it's Latin MCATs. It's Latin.
1: It's Latin. All right.
2: Ah!
0: Okay, Dan, Dan, for for using deserving thunderous booze, please thunderous booze. Turn your key. key, turn your key, my key, sir. I'm not, turn my key. I'm not turning my key. I'm not turning
1: my key. You're gonna have to blow my brains out. No way.
0: Dan, mix this. Boo. No.
6: All right, all right, all right.
0: Michael, what's your
6: question? So, in my life, uh, things that happen in medicine or just in my general daily life kind of remind me of episodes or certain scenes or jokes or even fantasies from scrubs and they make me like almost laugh out loud at inappropriate times um are there any things from the show whether they're jokes or fantasies or scenes that like you experience them in real life that kind of bring back memories and make you on the verge of laughing Oh, i i got one go ahead johnny
4: billy did an episode where i'll get this wrong but where when, when somebody makes this sound, that it's, it's usually not appropriate because when you go see a doctor, all you want the doctor to do is shrug <laughs> and go, yeah, uh, you know what, let the intern do it because it's no big deal. But when the doctor goes like this, and so now when I go to the hardware store and I'll ask for a, uh, for um, a hose to hose elbow coupling joint for, for some garden hose thing and I see the salesman go like this I'm like don't, don't, fucking do, don't do that don't do that Mascul- this is not fucking leukemia this is not fucking cancer this is a hose to hose elbow coupling joint what the fuck are you doing this for
0: don't Wait, is he fucking making, do that is he making the noise because he's not sure he has it yeah,
4: no. It's just it's things like, well, I don't know if we have that in stock. It's like, oh, well, then I
0: can call
1: Amazon and have it in forty eight yeah. hours for free. You fucking Oh yeah, I get oh, it. Make no. that sound. If I your it. doctor does it, it usually means, oh shit. Like, <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> don't want your doctor
4: doing that. Yeah. Uh, and Big Billy, Billy wrote a whole like B or C story about that one episode. And whenever I see a waiter, when I'll, I'll ask for uh, crushed red peppers on the side, and they go. <sighs> I'm like, don't fucking do that. There's a jug of McCormick's crushed red peppers this big back in the kitchen. Would you like me to go show you where it is?
2: Don't fucking go. Don't do that. Don't do that.
0: Uh, that's pretty good. Donald, do you have anything like that? I, I don't, got, man. I, I don't, I, I don't can't know if I can top that a, story. I don't anyway. got
1: anything <laughs> that can top that, dude.
0: All right, that's right. We're, we're going to go with Johnny's answer on that. Michael, do you got
6: another one for us? Um, I So my brother's a huge fan as well and he would be very angry at me my brother ben um Mm -hmm. if i didn't ask a question that he was trying to convince me to use as my question when he found out i was going to be on it so he said he wanted to know specifically for you zach my way home is his favorite episode and he wanted to know how much different is it to direct people that you like actually know compared to directing in a different situation
0: Um, that's a great question. Um, I was blessed that this cast was totally, um, supportive and embraced me to direct them. I think that, you know, it's always a tricky situation. Um, I imagine on a show when, when someone finally goes, Hey, I'd like to direct us all. I mean, we're all equals. We're all a team. And I imagine in in sports playing, uh, even though I don't know that world, it would be like if someone on the team was like, I'm now going to coach. He'd be like, fuck you, Stan. You're the forward middle or whatever that is. Um, oh, is that a position, forward middle? Okay. Yeah, sure. I'm sure in some
1: sport there's a forward middle. That's... I don't know. Maybe in High Lie.
0: Oh, exactly. In like,
1: like, like Quidditch or something like yeah, that.
0: Yeah, in Quib- you Quidditch. We did that on purpose, Zachy.
1: Quidditch, Yeah. <laughs>
0: All right. Let me use the sports analogy further. No, um, you know it is—it is tricky. But but it all—but the cast. If you're fucked, if, if if your cast and your friends are like, oh god, you don't know what you're doing. And I'm not just saying this because these two guys are here. They universally could not be more couldn't have been more supportive. They were rooting me on. They were they were. It's so hard to do it in five days. And Donald, because he was being on his best behavior, he would like be there right away. For other directors, he would dude, take I like- Dude, I would
1: know my lines. He would be like, dude, there was a, maybe only one episode where I didn't know my lines and I realized, I was like, look, I can't do my boy like this ever yeah, again. Yeah, yeah. From here I on would, out, no matter what, I'm going to have my shit together, especially when he's, pretty much only when he's direct. Who's recording? Oh, we ain't going out this week. Who's, who's shooting the show? Well, I'm not going out this week. I'm going to take would, my time and learn would, my lines for ZB. I
0: would text Donald and be like, um, bro, um, I love you. Um, this you week, have a monologue tomorrow. I'd, no, I'd be, I would. I'd be like, I'd be like, I'd, you know, I'd be planning the week, you know, because on Sunday night, you're like so nervous. It's, you know, directing is a hard period, but directing a single camera TV show in five days is like so advanced. It's double black diamond. It's like, you got to do it and do it fast. And I remember being a Sunday night being like, oh, shit. Okay, I got to warn Donald that he needs to learn that monologue. And I so I would call him and be like, or text him and be like, dude. Big monologue for you on Wednesday. You want to start working on it now. And I'd be like, can you please come to set right away? Like none of this fucking bullshit you're playing fucking whatever video game you're playing in your room and taking <laughs> 20 minutes to come to set. Because remember? No, yeah. And uh, and he would. And this is what he would come right away. And But it was awesome because Johnny, you know, you know, you, you, you guys, the audience can tell from the conversation we just had. We Both Donald and I look up to him so much as an actor. And he's the kind of person that I could go up to him and be like, john that was awesome but do you want to try i had this idea do you want to try one where it's a little more like this and you know he that's going to go two ways a guy with a huge ego and who's an asshole is going to be like no that's good move on or johnny the polar opposite is like oh my god that's fucking awesome let's try it hell yeah and that was the attitude everybody had when i directed the show it was awesome they were so supportive and uh and and i was i was so lucky i was so lucky especially since Donald was the one, okay, I directed like seven episodes. It was like the only time Donald (laughs) ever knew his lines. (laughs) Um, All right. All right, Michael, thank you so much for coming on. And thank you for becoming a doctor. I want you to know that every life you save, we're going to take credit for.
6: I, I, I am okay with that. I'm
0: just You're
4: welcome. And, uh, You're uh, welcome. Please, please be safe, Michael. Please be yeah, safe. Yeah, Take
0: care of yourself, man. And don't make I that don't. noise that Johnny C. doesn't like when, someone, when you have to give somebody bad news, okay? I
6: reserve it for very, very bad news. Yes.
0: <laughs> okay. And, um, and, and, um, and and don't say you know when my doctor checks my prostate, uh, he when he pulls his finger out, he says, "Was that was that as good for you as it was for me?" And I'd, I'd appreciate it if you wouldn't do that.
1: <laughs> Dude, you, you 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 know you could sue your doctor. right? No, I have a very I
0: have a doctor who prides himself on being outrageous, and if you're not down for that, you just shouldn't go to this doctor. I see. Um, so he because says,
1: I would I would be a little upset if my doctor. Imagine your doctor was like, no, never mind.
0: There's a doctor. Uh, yeah. Never mind.
1: Listen, I'm not, we're good. Okay. Michael's
0: not going to be that kind of doctor. Michael, <laughs> no. be safe, and, uh, and thank you so much for coming on the show.
6: All right. Thanks All right. Nice Thanks, man. Thank Probably you,
0: good. brother. Bye, Michael. Bye. Um, wow. Wow, what a, what a show. I think this actually turned out to be a much better episode than it could have been, because uh, we had, we had, a, we had, we this is going to be called, I want it to be labeled Joelle, A Chat with Johnny C. McGinley. Noted. I think it's nice when we show the audience the seams a little bit, if you will, that, hey, we fuck up. And you know what? In fuck-ups come beautiful things sometimes, like like this episode.
1: Well, yeah, you know, it's it's not always that you get to hear the uh, adventures of John C. McGinley. By the way,
0: I and would listen to a podcast that was just called Johnny C. McGinley Tells Anecdotes from His Career. <laughs>
1: yeah, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't know that you did that you had done that many shows at the public, man. I didn't know that you were a big Shakespearean actor, uh, in your uh younger years, have you ever thought about going back and doing stuff like that now?
4: Well, Zachy came to see me. Thank you, Donald, in um, Glengarry. We did a revival um, a couple of years ago with Al Pacino and Bobby Convalli and Richard Schiff and uh, David mm-hmm. Harbor. Amazing, Dude. and it was it was the single most exciting thing I've ever done, by by far, and. Uh, I, I think that when when you guys, what I'll pivot off of that for a second. What what you just said about uh, mistakes spawning um, nuggets, it it makes me it makes me go back to what that when you're if there is such a thing, and I know Donald Zach, you'll know what I'm talking about. If you can, when you're in acting shape, and. And, and you're just nimble and you're agile cerebrally, and, and your instincts, your acting instincts. And you can't fake this stuff. You're either in acting shape or you're not. And the only way to be in acting shape is to just continue to spend time in front of the lens. That's the or continue to do performances of a play. And when mistakes happen, when you're in acting shape, when you're just so agile, it, it spawns nuggets. Mm-hmm. And w- one time, w- what makes me think of it was I decided before we went over to the Philippines that uh, Sergeant O'Neill, which is the name of the character I got to play, and then Tom Barringer's uh, character, uh, Barnes, uh, that I was just going to do everything I could, like a, like a pilot fish on a shark. I was going to do everything I could to, to help to have him facilitate me that character getting the fuck out of Southeast Asia, and so whatever it took, and it wasn't on the page. But I decided whatever it took, and so I I told Oliver this. He's like, "Yeah, do that, McKinley. Do it, be a pilot fish. I love that." And so we're at this one night. We're at this. Uh, we're assigning a, a night operation, and Tony Todd's over there, and Willem's here, and Mark Moses is here, and Tom is next to me. And I, I got this Zippo, and I, because Tom's character smoked a lot, and I always was going to do this no-look no Magic Johnson light of his cigarette and then act like it was no big fucking deal. I was just going to throw a no-look. And I saw out of my periphery Tom was pulling a, a cigarette out, and I did a no-look light, and I snapped that Zippo back, and I put it back in my, in my thing, and I could see everyone in the whole scene stopped. And they were looking at me like I was the biggest dick on the planet. And I carefully got nervous telling the story. I carefully looked over at Tom and I missed the light. And I took the thing, right the fuck back out. And I lit that cigarette and the scene continued. <laughs> and that's what's in the movie because it's, wow. there's no acting. Wow. Wow.
1: There's
4: me horrified. Wow. And right. Willem looking at me like I'm real. such a dick. And I Tony Todd looking at me like I'm an ass. I love that Oliver put that in the movie. Yeah, that's
1: fucking dope, dude cuz that's but that's who that character was in that movie too.
4: Yeah, but it's also my point is that I'll go third person that the actor playing Sergeant O'Neill didn't all of a sudden call cut or walk yeah. out of the scene. Yeah, you right. fix it.
0: Yeah. Just right. fix it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
4: Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then
0: and then and then a great director like that's going to go that's fucking real I'm putting that's that in gold. the movie.
4: Yeah. And it's it's maybe a, a thousandth of a second but but if if and when you ever watch it again, you'll you'll see it. It's a fuck up and I Oliver it. kept it in and it's genius.
1: It probably gets big laughs in the movie too. When it happens, it's probably yeah, one of those moments. Because
4: I'm, it's, it exposes just what a pilot fish this guy is. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: This has been awesome. I want to remind the audience that the play Johnny's talking about is a movie that is one of my favorite films. And if you haven't seen Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, uh, I think it's a masterclass in acting and, uh, we always recommend films to you on this podcast, but uh, you should start with Glenn, Gary, Glenn Ross. Right, Don? Very
4: different than the play, though. The, it, the I- film's very casual, and it kind of unfolds on a rainy night. And the, the play, David wrote the whole thing as a one act, he told me, but then he found out you, one act can't win Tonys. He split it up in the, uh, two acts, but the first act is about 32 minutes, hmm. and you're out having a cigarette outside the Schoenfeld, and then the second act, obviously, the real estate obviously the real estate gets the office gets robbed, and that's the second act. But the first act is all of thirty two minutes.
0: It's an incredible piece of writing. Boom! Incredible piece. Of writing. I want You're to tell on Forty Fourth Street. I want to tell you my my only David Mamet experience. Actually, there's been two. I'm going to tell you both of them. First time. First of all, I love the movie's one of my favorite films, and I'd never seen the play performed. Now, I did know the trivia that Alec Baldwin has a legendary monologue in the movie that. Uh, that is fucking incredible, but it's not in the play. So I see uh, David Mamet uh, backstage somewhere and I'm so nervous and I go, oh my God, what am I going to say to David Mamet? I'm having a Donald phase on when we talk, Johnny, often on the podcast about how Donald gets nervous around celebrities and always embarrasses himself. So I'm, I'm, I I'm can't like, help
1: it, Johnny. I can't I'm help like,
0: it. Man. What am I going to say to David Mamet? I don't know what to say to David Mamet. And, uh, uh, and, I, and I think, oh, okay, I got an idea. I got an idea. And, um, I walk up to him. This is, this is long before your, the revival you did. It was a different revival that was coming, was coming up. Um, uh, this is how long ago it was. And I said, um, uh, Mr. Mamet, I, I just wanted to know, um, and the revival you're doing, are you going to, are you going to put the, the monologue that you added for, for Alec Baldwin in, into the play? And he looked at me like I just shit in his fucking coffee, like such distaste. And he's like, why would I do that? That's from the movie. I'm not going to put that in my play, and I was like, oh, "Oh, yeah, yeah, yep, 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 yep." I agree. Good choice on that, Mr. Mammoth. I'm going to go away now. Um, you-
4: do you want to know? You want to know? You want to know another layer to that story?
0: Yeah, yeah.
4: I asked. Uh, I didn't ask him. David told me that before they greenlit the movie, whoever produced it, uh, whichever studio it was, said. Uh, uh, we need we need a special effect we need something to happen in, you need a car crash we need something in the first act
0: open it up as they say
4: the special effect was Alec's monologue
6: yeah uh, that's how explosive
4: effect. that's how great Alec was and the writing was in that because in the play he's an unseen offstage threat but yeah. we never see him or yeah, hear I him
0: but, I mean, but Al- he's referenced
4: constantly
0: Alex, in my opinion, a very underrated actor. Uh, I agree. Are you?
1: People, I, I was about to say. I, I, listen, I, I agree that I don't know that he's under. I think he's, he's one underrated, of the dude. He's
0: underrated. I think he's people, one of the think, be-
1: people think he's. I think he's people, one of the best actors out there. Is my. I, point. I'm just saying that he's I famous and people's famous. He's famous and
0: he gets a lot of shit for his tabloid uh, uh, <laughs> adventures and 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 his politics, whatever. But fucking the guy is a really good actor, and yeah, that dude, monologue is one of the fucking greatest
1: moments yeah. ever. Yeah, 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 yeah no yeah. question.
0: <laughs> Coffee's uh,
1: for closers. Holy shit! And then
0: my second, uh, my girlfriend and I were were uh, were staying in a hotel in London, and and he came in. He was doing a play in London recently. Um, Forgot Malkovich was the star of it, I believe. And, uh, and oh, right! And we were alone. It was late night, and we were alone in this little uh, bar lobby area. There was like it was like a, they call this thing. They have this thing in England that, that works there, but would never work here. Called an honor bar. So it's just a, an area of a hotel with a, with a, where you just take whatever you, and you write down on the pad oh, right. what you're taking. Mm. <laughs> I don't think that would work in uh, – at least it wouldn't work um, in, in L.A. But um, It would, not, you, uh, it would they, not
1: work at Joseph's. You're right. I don't think it would work <laughs> anywhere.
0: Can you imagine? Uh, but anyway, in London, you write down, like, I had one vodka soda. And then they charge it to your room. So we're sitting there. <laughs> My girlfriend and I are alone in the honor bar. And in walks David Mamet. And it's just the three of us. And I go, yes, and in my head, circle. I'm going, and in my head, I'm going, Oh my God, don't fuck up this time. Don't full fuck circle. up this time. <laughs> don't mention Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Don't be an asshole and mention Glenn garrick Glenn Ross. The guy just wants to get a drink and go to his room. Oh. Well, I had had a few.
1: <laughs> and, uh,
0: and I say, Mr. Manit. Oh my God. I'm so glad to see you. <laughs> my name is Zach. Uh, this is Florence. Would you want to join us? And, he goes, okay, okay, sure, sure. And you know, I could tell he was stressed. He'd had a, a night of probably rehearsals, of previews, or whatever. He makes himself a drink. He sits down. There's like a long pause. And I go, I just have to tell you, I'm Glengarry Glenn Ross. And oh I God. start going off on this Glengarry. Yeah, I'm being Donald. I go off on this long Glengarry Glenn Ross spiel about how amazing it is and da 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 da. da, da and he just kind of nods his head. He goes, Okay, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna head to bed. It was nice talking to you guys. <laughs> and he left. Oh, oh. And he left. He just left. <laughs>
1: <laughs> those are those moments. Those are one of those moments where you wish you could talk about sports, Zach. I whatever. know the
0: guy didn't want to talk about Glenn Gary. The guy can't leave his fucking room without talking about Glenn Gary and Ross. You think he wants to, he came in to have one drink, and if I. If you fucking... could have
1: been like, you know, are you a Bears fan? Yeah, I could have <laughs> do said, you, do you play middle do you like forward? Chel- do you like Chelsea or United? Yeah, I could say.
0: I could say, is "deservant" a word?
1: <laughs>
0: You're a good writer, sir. Is "deservant" a word? <laughs> he wasn't deservant of the attention. You know what? I agree with you, Donald. Him. I agree with you. That 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 genius writer was not deservant of my affection. <sighs> <laughs> All right, we should end this fucking show because oh, uh, the audience is deservant of a break. Yeah. Um, thank you thank for listening, you everybody. This was so fun. We're going to call Johnny, it a conversation on, with Johnny C McGinley, and we will uh, we will uh, be back uh, next week to, uh, or we will be back. I don't know when it is next time to sum up <laughs> the episode, and we will talk about Gift Shop Girl at length. Gift Shop Girl does a lip bite, by the way, made famous first by Elisa Silverstone in Clueless, and I, I am, yeah. I'm a, I'm a fan of the lip bite, I must say. But more right. on that. Next time, what, Donald? Do you have a comment on the lip bite?
1: I, I was just going to say I was a, I was a huge fan of you being alone in a tub with Rowdy. One of my favorite
0: gifs. It's my favorite gif of myself.
1: And then that turning into you alone in a tub with gift shop girl and Rowdy.
0: There is no better way to some express my 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 often inner monologue in life, in my true real inner inner monologue in life, than me alone, um, sadly, uh, uh, washing a dead dog. <laughs> Donald, will you count us in to our beautiful theme song, please? Thank you everybody for I listening. Play,
1: I want to play There's No Way!
0: Okay. Okay, let's no That's a way. great idea. Oh God. Do you wanna do you wanna take a chance at at uh, at talking up into it? Because I've been the one who's been lucky
1: enough to do that thus far. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for the president of the United States of America, Donald <laughs> Trump, singing his summer bop. There's no way. I could get down off that ramp.
4: I said, there's no way.